Crazy. Crazy times. Hey, relax. Why are you being so strange? He is just restless. Yeah, true. So I'm in the I'm in the how you doing seat. You are in the hot seat. In the hot seat. You're in the hot seat. Feel like bad news caster. Okay. <laughs> oh, you passed me that wine opener before we start. Yeah. Yes. Sir. I really need to put that now. Look like we're doing things. <laughs> hi, hi. Welcome to. I'm gonna do that again. Hi, hi. hi. Yeah, that country hey. western. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Okay. Shh. Everyone, chill. Cool their beans. Okay. He's upset by that. Okay. Okay. Calm. Hi, welcome to Juice Podcast. I'm Gwen Douglas. I'm Emily Harmon. Today's episode, we are doing... Grenache. 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 So, I think some of you have probably heard of this grape. It's in a mm. lot of stuff. It is. Gets around. It does get around. Not always the star of the show, but Not always a good sp- supporting cast, I think. Yeah. But I think by itself can also be delicious. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, here we've got... I mean, so Grenache... I think I think most people are familiar with the word Grenache, the grape right. variety Grenache. Um, but for those that aren't, it's a great variety that produces medium to full-bodied wines, so generally high alcohol wines or higher right. alcohol wines, and um, and an abundance of red fruit, particularly when it's very ripe, it can lend itself to be a little bit of this kind of like raspberry mm, nice. jam kind of character. But when it's made, I think exceptionally well and in the best examples right. like producers like Chateau Reyes from Chateau Neuf de Pape that make a, a Chateau Neuf de Pape 100% from the Grenache grape it has these amazing floral characteristics mm-hmm. the aromatics this almost like um, chocolate orange note to it as well that's like quite Speaking delicious hmm. makes a good rosé too right yes Some places like Tavo and yes where else there's another place like I don't know, also only makes rosé or yeah, I mean, the Tavel rosés are amazing because they're right. so textured and kind of Right, and the rich. same of these, like, sort of strawberry yes. floral thing. I think when yes. I was reading, there's a lot of floral yeah. notes also in the rosés. Yeah, I mean, like, Eric Fiffling. Oh, oh yeah, are amazing. <sighs> yes. Yes. I actually yeah. think we could probably also do two episodes on Grenache because I think it's, like... We can do, like, eight episodes on every topic, probably. Because I feel like this one gets around so much. Like, yes. I feel like already it's history because it's what from one particular, they think it's from one particular part of Spain and Aragon. Mm. And that it would have moved towards France. Like that any Later. movement, no matter where it was from, it would have been moved around because of the king of Aragon. Regardless. Ah, really? Yes. So that, yeah, that they think it's from Spain, but regardless of where it was from, it definitely moved around because of mm. him. I mean, and France is definitely... I mean, France now, there's more plantings of Grenache in France than there really? are in any other country, followed by Spain. Italy, US, and Australia are kind of the key right. areas for Grenache. I guess there's also... Uh, hang on, let me look at my notes. Did we also have... Yeah, New World also, right? So Australia, you said, California, and then also South America. So I think, like, Chile, Argentina, and Mexico all produce yeah. Grenache, which makes sense climate-wise. Yeah, of course, because like it's a great climate, variety that yeah. needs warm climate to right. ripen. Yes. You know, it, wouldn't, it wouldn't do so well. And also, um, you know, Grenache also sometimes doesn't always ripen so easily on the vine, or evenly, oh, right. sorry, oh, I should say. Evenly, not easily. Um, yeah, I actually did a harvest at a winery um, called Commando G in 2018, and they work 
like I mean, other than one white wine that they produce, which really represents a very small amount of the production, right. I don't think even five percent. They only work with Grenache. Oh, amazing! So I had a month of picking Grenache. I wonder if that's like. Spain. Do you think also like it's just so planted because it's so it's planted in the Rhone in France, but also in the sort of Languedoc Roussillon. It's used and, a lot in yeah. Yeah, and I think also in Provence, Bandol, right. like yeah, the whole yeah, exactly, Bandol, and yes. So actually, like, there's just a lot of regions that it grows in. It's not one of those like. So when yes. we say it gets around, it's really around. It does get around. Yes. Um, excited. Yes, and I think, so we've got, I mean, we've got uh, two wines from Spain and one from, from France. We're keeping it local. Yeah. I, think I also like, never really, even though Italy, there's quite a bit of Grenache in Italy. Really? I also just, it's not, I just don't just think It's just not like it. first on your list when you're yes. thinking of like grapes to buy. Yes. And I mean, like, we're, obviously, because we live in Europe, we're drinking more European stuff. It's harder and, I mean, it's not that easy to get great Australian wines for us here, I think. Not at all. No. So, as much as we would love to be trying something, maybe, um, yeah, stick to this area. Oh, also so often, I, yeah, I think also, you touched on it a bit before, was so the, the case that it's not always... The, it's not always a single varietal. It's right. often blended. I mean, we see it... I mean, I can just see on your notes that it says GSM or GMS. Yeah, but that's... If you see in Australia, Australia it's a very yeah. typical blend, which is based on the Rhone blend. Right. So it's Grenache, usually blended with Syrah, um, often also with Mavedra yeah. as well. And, th- and then I guess, like, the same idea, this Rhone blend is also... You see it in the States, but then they just call it Rhone blend. And apparently they used to grow a lot more Grenache in... For, like, high production, like... The large volume production in California, but that that's sort of changed a little bit. Mm. Yeah. So here we are with the first one. What are we? Yeah, what's and I think just touching on that last bit with the with the Rome, which because we we will get there anyway. But often the the Grenache Syrah blend, or sometimes you also sometimes see it blended with a little bit of like Carignan or Sanso. Yes. Okay. That that grape variety provides a lot of acidity. The Syrah for the spice and the color, and the Grenache for the sort of fruitiness, fruitiness. as well. So that's why. That's why I was going to ask it, actually. Yeah. I think it's also you know because if it can be quite jammy to then like kind of it needs something to mix round it out a bit. sometimes. Yeah. yeah. Whereas on the other hand, Syrah can be also if it's just by itself, yeah, too piney or too whatever that it's nice to give it a little f- fruit, soften it out of it. So, the wine that we're trying now is called Albara. It's two thousand eighteen from Envinate. Um, Envinate is a collaborative project uh, between, I believe, four winemakers. They all met. At when they were studying winemaking. Oh, that's nice. And it's spread over different regions. So, Oh, cool. Yeah, so this is uh, from central Spain. They also have a project in um, Ribeira Sacra. Okay. Where they work with Menthia. And then also in the Canary Islands in Tenerife as well. Um, I, you would know them when we did our first yes, pop-up. We had the, yes. the white and the red on the list. And, um, yeah, so different winemakers are kind of located in different parts of the world so there's but what a fun concept actually yeah and then they all kind of have a an ethos of how they make the wine and the style of the wine so this is this is 70 percent ganache tintorera so it's the type of grenache which has the red flesh as well okay oh wow so Um, then it really gives a bigger more color more color yeah um so yeah 70 percent grenache and and also with a a little local grape and then it's um whole bunch and it's vinified and, and aged in uh, concrete and barrel, but old barrel. 50-50. It has a really, like, leathery kind of quality. Yeah, it does, doesn't it? And a little, there's a little medicinal thing at the very end. And mm. then also a bit of, like, cassis 
Yeah, I mean, it's got a lovely perfume, actually, because yeah, it's got this kind of, like, creamy, creamy berry fruit, like right. a berry yoghurt, almost. Yes, but then it still has a, it would be a great unisex perfume. It's yes. got a little bit of this, like, yeah. leather biker. and... Yeah. A biker eating a fruit salad. <laughs> a berry fruit salad. I was thinking of those, like, Muller Corners, like... <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah. The cherry one or something. Mmm. Mmm. So, quite interestingly, because mm. I actually bought two Spanish Grenaches, because I love Spanish wine, and I love Grenache in Spain, particularly these two. So, they're from different regions, but they're from different soils, but they're both made with whole bunch. And I think whole bunch is so important for a great variety like Grenache, because, because of the skins being quite thin, because of the tendency to have this uh-huh. sort of very ripe fruit profile okay. sometimes, that when... Producers are picking a little bit earlier, which is very much the trend now in Spain. That there's are you just a, getting more acidity? Or? Yeah, getting okay. more acidity. And then with the whole bunch as well, you get this spiciness in the wines and this freshness okay. from the skins. From the s- and, and also from the from seeds. From the seeds. I was going to say, I mean, are yeah. they using stems too or is it just like... Um, I believe they're... I think, it, I think it's with the stems. Yeah, because then you get that bunch, bitterness so, yeah. of the sort of like stemmy... Yeah, and the stems give a lot of flavour right. as well. Obviously, Which actually, because at the stems, it also yes. you lose a little bit of colour. So if we weren't doing whole yeah. bunch, you would expect a, a darker colour than this wine. It's also interesting it's, because I did have a hundred percent Grenache this weekend, and actually, like by itself, this one was quite smooth and fruity. And whatever they've done has obviously given it some character. And yeah, some and just like shifted the structure slightly. Right, totally. And I think this is really a trend that you're seeing in Spanish wine, particularly over the last ten years, is that there's been a huge movement towards. Uh, picking earlier, using whole bunch, um, doing lighter maceration, so not necessarily pumping down, leaving the wine, so then you get this kind of intercellular fermentation, you get more lifted aromatics because of that, and um, yeah, a different profile of red that actually is very drinkable. I think Spanish wine has, again, it's changed its image drastically over the last decade, and is now a super exciting place for red wine. You know, there was a time where it was very... I don't want to say stagnant, but like it just wasn't dynamic, and like it was always yeah, that mean, place where you had really oaky, jammy right, red yes. wines. I mean, that's kind of when I think about like typical Spanish wines that I might have had in the last whatever or f- things that friends drink from the supermarket. You know, mm. the sort of Spanish wines have this sort of idea about mm. them. But this is very interesting because it's not as not what I expected. Yeah, I love the spiciness in this wine actually. And it's high altitude, it's around 800 metres. So because of that, you get a difference in day and night temperatures, which also helps with the freshness, also helps with the complexity, because you're even if you're picking early, yeah. you still have quite a good length of time of the fruit on the vine as well. I also think this is really versatile for food, because mm. I think you could actually eat tons of stuff with this. And this is not... Sorry, this is not... <laughs> no one can see it. This is not... <laughs> <laughs> Shit. This is not, <laughs> yeah, oh God, this is not an expensive wine either. Oh, I amazing. mean, we have it on the list here at, at Aura, and I think it's either 36 or 38 euros. Wow, that's really affordable. For a small producer, it's organically farmed. Wow, amazing. Yeah. Yeah, and I totally think this is like, you can drink it by itself with some snacks, mm. like, but then you could, it could totally stand up to something grilled. There's enough of that bite at the end that you could charcoal something and it would still be fine. Yes. Alongside yeah, it. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, I like that. Like a grilled, something grilled would be great. Yeah, because I think that little bitter yep. end kind of like has enough to, I think it would fruiten up a little bit yeah. too with something like this. Yeah, or even something like a little cassoulet or something yeah. as well, like a stew. Like a sausage I mean, mm. obviously, because we're thinking Spain, I was thinking yeah. also like 
uh, chorizo. Yeah. yeah, yeah, nice. Yes, smoky, smoky, smoky like, meaty. I think there's enough, like, of the sort of strong characters that it could hold up to all of that kind of stuff. Mm. Yeah, nice. I was excited that you were bringing two Spanish because actually it's not something I drink that often. Is Spanish wine, wine in general? Yeah, I don't think we. Mm. Maybe also because Luffy doesn't cook so much Spanish, and we're always the sort of in the grow together, grow together. Yeah, I mean, need to get out of that. I mean, I'm yeah. I mean, Spain for me has been an area of focus because I have for five years I took care of the wine list for Moro and the two okay, Moritos yeah. in London. So they're Spanish, really great Spanish restaurants by Sam and Sam Clark. So, of course, then your focus is going to be Yeah, on I mean, the wine list was only Spain with a little bit of Portugal and a little bit of, like, Moroccan or Lebanese ah, okay. wine. Oh, interesting. Or occasionally Greek, because that's the influence of the food. Right. Sometimes we squeezed a few Georgians on as well, but we had no French or Italian wine. So, for five years, I was, you know, Just every month that. tasting, you know, maybe Amazing. 16 Spanish wines a month. So Yeah, I really think it's just not, like, a region that I've spent too much time... Uh, yeah, maybe I should change those. Because I think we do get a lot of Spanish wines in this part of the world. Like, they are accessible. Yes. Like, they move around enough. Yeah. I mean, so the next wine that we're having is the one that I actually import. Look at the colour of this already. I know. So Looks like pretty. Pinot. Yeah. And actually, in some ways, when Grenache is made really well, I do see some commonality between it and, and Pinot Noir as well, just because it... I mean, especially when it's made like this. I mean, it looks like a pinot. So it's like this lovely kind of strawberry juice colour. Yes. So I've just poured us 2017 Cardamat Valentin uh, Garnacha. And this is from my favourite region in Spain, which is called Sierra de Grados. So we're in central Spain, an hour west of Madrid, in these, these hills or these mountains called the Grados Mountains or Sierra de Grados. And it's one of the most spectacular regions to visit not just visually, but also for the wine because it's so exciting. Visually, it looks a little bit like Jurassic Park or uh, <laughs> something from Star Wars. So you have these huge granitic boulders. Well, amazing. You know, green covered hillsides. I can totally see this. Lots actually, of yeah. bird life as well. So when we were picking, I'd be like, the raptors are coming. Yeah, you know, amazing. because yeah. you just hear it all the time. And, um, and actually, it's quite rural, so it's visually beautiful. The vineyards are high, um, over 1,000 metres in some cases. Wow. Um, so you have this really interesting climate there. It's one of the later regions uh, in terms of ripening. So okay. I was there from middle of September to middle of October. Oh, we were still picking in the wow. middle of October yeah. because you have these very cool evenings right. and very hot days. Interesting. And Grenache can tolerate the heat. So, yeah. And it, so it's an area where you have a lot of um, old vineyards, in some cases, a lot of abandoned vineyards, but oh, really? there are a number of growers that are working on bringing back these abandoned vineyards oh, nice. and producing wines from them. So um, it's all bush vines. Okay. Um, so that obviously helps with the with the sun. With the sun well. protecting from the yeah. elements and whatnot. Yeah, so old bush vines and granitic soil, so volcanic soil, so you get this mm. even more freshness in the wines. I know how much you love a volcanic soil. I do. It's <laughs> volcanic aromatic. Yeah. <laughs> Maybe the difference in our personalities. I was going to say, actually, it's like, well. it's like this makes is perfect sense. going down on yes. like more levels than <laughs> yeah. one. Is this one more? Is there more Grenache in this one? This is a hundred percent. Hundred percent. Okay. Hundred percent. And I think like we can see this maybe already by the color. Yeah. And this is. Um, oh, but you said this one was the Tinto, so that it had yeah. the red flesh, yes. which is why we get more of yeah. this. And this is, is very pretty, this is a blend of a few different vineyards, small vineyards put together. 
and um, yeah, red granitic sand for these vineyards. Uh, whole bunch, again, 100% whole bunch. And this is a mixture of uh, concrete and, and barrel. It does also have a very umami, meaty... Yeah, for me, it's got this... I know, and then the, there's f- a little the first thing I get is strawberry laces. You know, oh, yeah, like yeah, those yeah. sweets. See, so, yeah, I get that a little... Yeah, totally, the yum. And it has got that orange, that kind of like blood orange kind of note to it as well that's there. Oh, this is my jam. I know. Elegant, beautiful Pinot, uh, Pinot style. Yeah, totally. I think it's, it's 14.5% alcohol. Wowzer. This you don't notice it. Because I would, it's so light tasting, it's so delicate that I yeah. think like I wouldn't notice. And I think this is a really good example of how choosing a wine or, or analysing a wine and focusing on balance rather than just the alcohol percentage on the right. bottle. Yeah, right, because actually, you're right, because I think, like, if you were to just look at the bottle and you'd be like, ooh, Spanish, 14%, Grenache, you might be like, maybe it's too big for what I'm thinking. But how racy is the acidity? it's so nice. Yeah, this is definitely Mm. really delicious. And totally right about this Pinot style, that strawberry kind of. Mm. And, um, yeah, so difference in soils here, semi-similar winemaking to some degree. This is made by two guys, Kuro and Jesus. They have another project, actually two projects in um, Galicia, in Ribeira Sacra. Their most well-known project is called Fideos de Couto, which okay. means Brats of the Count. <laughs> and they're very good friends with Danny Landy and Fernando Garcia, the guys that I work for. Okay, nice. Which is how I discovered uh, this wine. Yeah. And I think uh, 16 or 17 was the first vintage of this product project. So they're only going to get better and um, where can you this? said you import this one right yes and okay. in in the uk for the people that are there carte right. blanche wines import yeah nice yeah this is definitely something yeah. i would look for mm. i would drink this again yes and these aren't expensive wines i mean yeah, on the wine list here i think it's around 40 so shop price around 20 i mean so far it's already trade price even less i think it's something like 13 euros or something i mean that's already i mean because of course when we get into like the rhone i think it gets a little more expensive sometimes i mean this is into... this is all this is at the same price as a coat de rhone right. and i think compared to a lot of them maybe better quality yes. yeah because i think that's i think always the trouble i have you know in the past because i actually the reason i picked a chateau neuf du pape was a because i knew you were buying two or bringing two spanish and i was like okay when well, we do the classic because yeah it's kind of i think like where everyone first experiences grenache would be in a Rhone blend, and I know for myself, there was always this idea that like Chateau Neuf du Pape was like Chateau Neuf du Pape. I know. You know, when you're young, it's sort of it's that special wine. I mean, also because everybody talks about the one with the with the keys on it, the wonky bottle. Yeah, it was that one. It was like I mean, you could get it at Sainsbury's and Tesco's back in the day, but it was always the like (laughs) it was like looks like a bottle that's like a thousand years old or something. They marketed it well, but it was always that like oh yeah. So I think when I started drinking red wines, that's kind of where I went first, mm. was the Rhone, and then really fell in love with Shirazes, and then started drinking more, because I was living in North America, so then more Californian or Australian yes. or more New World stuff. Mm. So it was interesting to come back as an adult and then revisit these, knowing maybe a little bit more. So mm. I remember you uh, helping me when I was studying for the... Um, quartermasters, quartermasters, like mm. to, to try and drink single varietals to understand how they work in a blend. And I remember you brought me a Shiraz, a single varietal from the Rhone that's made by a natural producer sold under a vin de France, Michel yeah. something. I think it was the Mathieu Barre, you know, was oh, it? Oh yeah, it's like a red brown. bottle, just a plain, very simple. I think Michel something. 
but it was so intensely Shiraz okay. that it was like, or Syrah, that it was. Good. I think it really made me realize that when I drink a Chateau Neuf du Pape or these blends to understand which what part plays what. what. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, which yeah. I think is like really nice to then try a Grenache by itself because I think it's often, yeah. Yeah, and I think particularly in the case of this wine, because we're off, we're so used to drinking these like New World like Grenaches so that are just big. like fruit bombs, yeah. fruit jam bombs, and they're not wines that I like to no, drink because they're too much. Yeah, I agreed. But when you try it like this, it's just like wow. This is you know this is really following this this Reyes style of like very pure. Oh, I love this. Terroir driven, yeah. but like elegant and expressive and and. Um, yeah, I just I don't want to say feminine because I'm trying to get said this before refined. I'm trying to get out know. of these yeah, refined gender elegant. roles. Yes. But um, this prettiness in the wine, I guess. I mean, I think there can be like I totally know what you mean about this. Like, it's so hard to like describe feminine and masculine energy without using those terms. Yes. Instead of using the line between the two and yes. thinking it more of a bowl of soup. Yes. <laughs> yes. Yeah. yeah, it is. It's, it's really, tough. Yeah, I'm trying to get out of that habit because of we. So many people say, "Oh, this is very, this is very masculine totally. wine." It's like, well, how, why, what, what even is that? Right. Because like, I think we touched on this like last the last season that we recorded because of this idea of like, yeah, elegant. I mean, a man can be elegant and a woman can be elegant. I mean, I know some very elegant men. Totally same. So yeah. I think like, it's important that we also change this language. In this Do you like to have a go at coravining? Oh my god. Okay. Go on. Do I just? So Stick this actually, this is the new Coravin model, which I don't actually like because it's really difficult. To oh, open you have that. to like. Oh, it's like a hair clip. Yeah, and that goes on, and then you just press down on the top. Oh la la! And it kind of yeah. There we go. Great. And, and then, then you can try with my glass first. So you down. sort of tilt the bottle here, and then you have to press this at gas at the same time. Oh, yeah, at the same time. This one. Yeah. Boop. That's it, and then let go. Oh, wow. So every time you do that, that injects gas into the bottle to then displace the wine, to push the wine out. So you'll get, yeah, like the more you do it, like that's too much gas. So that's, yeah. I love it because one of my girlfriends, sometimes when we meet for drinks, um, she will coravin a bottle of Burgundy, but then by the end of the night, she's like coravined like two whole bottles. (laughs) Really? Should have just opened them. (laughs) When you're like, I've not committed to this hangout yet. But she would corv in two whole bottles. Why would well, she like, just pull st- the cork? I know. Because you start being... That's what yes. I mean about like not committing. Where you're like, no, no, we're just going to have a glass. And then you're like, well, okay, well, we finished one. Definitely not going to have a whole second. Then you have a whole second. Yeah. And that's when you should just pull the cork out. <laughs> yeah. Those bloody capsules are expensive as well. I oh, know. They work out about 50 cents a squirt. Okay, I'm gonna be not a squirt, but like per glass. This would be fu- no. I mean, it's. It, I'm like, oh. No, but for us, it's like it's way yeah, more yeah. worthwhile because like actually, yeah, actually tilt the bottle a bit more. Oh, yeah. Higher. Yeah. I actually want to. Just buy takes a while too. to get used to it. There you go. Oh, look at that! Cool. Look at that! <laughs> Sexy. New skills. Okay, all right, that's enough. Calm down. Yeah. I'm like spitting your face with that thing. Yeah, it is a bit, isn't it? Sexy. <laughs> it's like, <laughs> It's like, it's like, it's like, it's like, it's like I'll get you to dismount. So to dismount? Uh, no, I'll just, I was going to hold it for you. Do I just like... No, 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 no. Oh, God. That's okay. Just so you pull it up. So we do it in reverse. You pull up from the handle. Yeah. Uh-huh. And then it comes off. Okay. Done. It feels so fragile. Yeah. But it's okay. The yeah. worst that can happen is the needle breaks and I have a spare. 
Gotcha. So what so we so the wine that Gwen bought is 2017 Chateau Neuf de Pat from La Bastide Saint Dominique. Yes. So I mean, I bought this I, because I went to Passion Vin to buy some other stuff and figured I would buy. Coming one of their regular customers. Aren't I you? know. Because I'm. It's like. I did the same when I was going to Brussels all the time, but now it's like, oh, we've just been happening to do stuff that kind of works out together and uh, buying some stuff for myself. So actually, again, I took a recommendation on this one, mostly because I wanted to buy a Chateau Neuf that had a high percentage of Grenache, and this Mm. one is 80%. Mm. Then it has 10% Syrah, 7% Mouvet, and uh, 3% Saint-Saul. Yum. So I haven't smelt this yet. I mean, visibly very different to the wine before, yes. right? Like it's almost black. Yeah, it's like much darker even than the one, the first one we had. Mm. And I think this is, it's so interesting to see such a different style of winemaking here as well. Do you have any, what, what info have you got for us on this wine? So we have, other than that, that it's a small hillside soil, clan, uh, sand and clay soil with round pebbles, which I guess is quite normal in that yeah in the Rhone this pebbly they're called galets yeah the sort of yeah really famous they actually look like for people who live in the UK they look like the stones on Brighton Beach oh yeah okay a bit like that kind of size and that kind of shape okay so it's really not the black ones but they're kind of lighter in colour but yeah small yeah like they look like a pebbly beach so then the vines are like 25 to 80 years old uh they do destemming 18 days of vatting in stainless steel tanks uh cap punching pumping over so, so like it's to, like the opposite winemaking. So right. using steel, they're using they're not using any whole bunch, which is why we're getting the right, darker so colour, and they're working the grapes right. more to extract more, more which colour. is why we've got more tannin as well. Which feels like it's something that happens more on the own. Yes, that's sort of what you expect. Yes, it's like big powerhouse yeah. red. I mean, because it has that like big velvety yeah big time and that very 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 um intense berry fruit as yeah, well raspberries I, blackberries i would say out of the three this one for me has been the biggest berry flavor yeah almost. and like full like it's, this is 15 percent as well yeah this is a but it feel you can feel that it yeah, is it's, it's just way more intense red. more structured i mean you need you know you can't you know a little a little oyster or a little green mm. salad's just going to get completely destroyed totally. by this i have to say the taste, I mean, the end is what I, what I expected, but the actual initial flavor is a lot softer and smoother than I mm. maybe would have imagined right off the bat. I think this wine is, it's, it's so different because you do feel a bit of the heat, but with the right food and the right time of year as well, it would be amazing. I mean, I that love rich yeah. opulate, like yeah. a stew. I was going to you know, say, like I love Bourguignon these kind of stuff with these like big, rich French yes. or sort of like yeah. northern Spanish stews. But even just eating them, imagine on a Sunday afternoon, stuffing yourself with like roast yeah. beef and then just laying on the couch. Also with steak back. and stuff too. Yeah. This is also a great barbecue. Big time. Barbecue kind of stuff. I, I wonder why, why it is that Chateau Neuf du Pape ended up with such a like... Like, what happened in the 70s and 60s? Like, I feel like, was there a moment in history where, like, that was, like, the pinnacle? Was it, Because I feel like growing up, there was always this, like, view of Chateau Neuf being a sort of... I think the UK, the UK is a really big market for these wines, so maybe right? that's why, yeah. And I, I know what you mean, because I also had the same experience. I think as well because the, the bottles... Oh, the so labeling, they have yes. this... What would you call that? Because it's not... It's the opposite of engraved, it's a, but it's... it's not yeah embossed embossed yeah Yeah. so this embossed glass with the keys here it's so iconic it's iconic that people know that and it makes the bottle look a little bit more special so for the everyday person 
they would see this. And I think yeah. it was a, it's a little bit like there are certain French appellations. Sancerre being one Sancerre, of them. Sancerre, like, um, even like Fleury from Beaujolais, yes. that like, they just show up on like pub lists, on restaurant lists. So it's like that the everyday culture. person know yeah. that they're kind of like, this is a right. special wine because it's like one of the totally. more expensive ones. It's like, oh, a Chateauneuf. But it's Pat. accessible. Maybe there's something about it being like accessible, like high end. So it's like mm. higher end than your average everyday wine that you might drink just for like chats with your girlfriends. But then it's like, it's, yeah, and it, it, would, it's the nice dinner with your boss wine. I mean, it's never been ex- as expensive. Like, no, right, that's what I mean, it's accessible. Yeah, 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 totally. Yeah. But it's like what you pick for a nice, for a nice dinner that's a little fancier, a little more expensive yep. than your regular wine, but that feels special. So maybe that's mm. the sort of pop culture, how it fits in. I think also you're right. And I think, I think, but I do think the additional thing was that this is a style of wine that many it's people to wanted people. to drink at that point. Because also when we're still seeing kind of the results of this, but I think there's a kind of understanding for a lot of people that, or a thought or a theory that the more, of the, like the more alcohol, the more yes. intensity, the more body, the more flavour, the more you it's get. Like 80s, right? Represents, is like yes. that, the more you have of that shows that there's more value in the bottle. I think that's actually very interesting because I do think that like, when I think of like 80s big red wines, there is this sort of like, Chianti. Yes. Like all the big, like bold. And, yeah. And yeah, that kind of energy of like over the topness yes. and indulgence and, I mean, and like, richness. Yeah. And, yeah. I mean, in the UK, look how many people love drinking Malbec. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Malbec from South America. And you're like, because they Drink want something at a certain price. <laughs> yeah. It's just like, I need the power. Bam. This is yes. what I need. This is what I can taste. I need to taste all of it because if it's too it feels thin, powerful, it's too... yeah. yeah. It feels like you get bang for your buck. It's yeah. high alcohol, it's big taste. Yes. Hmm, that's actually very interesting. Big, big taste like... equals big money and equals, okay, I've got my value for money here. So interesting, actually, because then you yeah. think like how the sort of pop culture of just wealth, perception distribution around, and yeah. perception of wealth yes. changes how we perceive products that we taste. Mm. that like during you know maybe now things are changing you know we've talked in other episodes about the sort of people wanting quirky things now so that's sort of maybe how our time will be recognized it's like oh remember back in the early 20 you know 20th this 21st century 2020s 2020s that people were like everyone actively looking for different so it's like maybe yeah maybe when we're looking for different it's sometimes interesting to go back to what we haven't examined in a while I agree and I mean it's definitely like a journey that I notice I've been on um with my wine taste because I would say I've always been drawn to more eclectic esoteric you know off the beaten path but I I have noticed that the last few years my tastes have gone full back loop to the classics yeah because I'm like oh I haven't had that for a while I want to go back and there's a different appreciation I think when you go back now with the journey you've been on to be like you know there's something about this that's it's classic but just like a little black dress or whatever, the, the classic is sometimes not a bad thing. Yeah. It has a moment. Yes, yes, a place, yes. A time and a place. And funny enough, Chateauneuf de Pap was the first wine region I ever visited. Really? Yes. I went That's with. So uh, I went for my ex-boyfriend's father's birthday. And um, so we ended up going there. We stayed down in Avignon and we just did one day trip to Chateauneuf de Pap. And I just remember it being unbearably hot like being like English, going from an English summer to like forty degrees. When you think like an English summer, like growing up, if it was like twenty three, you're like, oh my god, it's so 
so fucking yeah, people, hot today. Old people start dying. Yeah, you're like, it's windy. <laughs> yeah. Whereas anywhere else in the world, you're like, oh, it's a little bit chilly, you need a cardigan. I know. <laughs> and, uh, yeah, so then we went there, and I remember there was, like, a big wine fair on that happens every year in Chateauneuf called the Fête de Varésion, and it's, a, it's a, like, a little festival, a little, and there's lots of... All the producers bring right. their bottles and set up a table... And uh, and it's done around the time of the when the grapes colour. So okay. it's like about I think about a month or a few weeks before when they pick the grapes. I mean that's a smart time to have a party. When it you're is. like you're not pressured yet about having to pick anything. You're like, yeah. this is the waiting moment where well, we're just also, sort of celebrating the And let's sell as much wine as we can yes. because we need to make space yes. in the cellar. I mean all of it is very yeah. clever, I love it. Yeah. <laughs> so we were there wading through fifteen percent wine after fifteen percent wine. Fuck, actually. Like, it was like thirty seven <laughs> degrees and I was just like Oh my god! It's also funny because it's like the last thing I want to drink when it's seven degrees would be this. To be and honest. I never. This is what I never understand. Also, like in Tuscany regions like that, obviously it, right? red grapes are like abundant yes. and there's more of them grown. But I'm like, why are people not making bloody rosé in these right. places? Because it's so you hot. Drink it cold. Yes. yes. I guess like because I actually love this kind of stuff at night. You know mm. that like when the when the night cools from a hot day, there's something about these kind of wines that feel really nice like the feeling of hot pavement after the sun's mm. gone away yes that kind of like the that. lingering heat mm. i think there's something about those wines that gives you that feeling of lingering yes. heat yeah. but certainly like not that. what i'm smashing at 37 degrees in the sun no it was like just sort of going around in delirium you're, you're like, like i can't I'm so parched also yeah from <laughs> yeah, the tannins as well so you're like my lips are red yeah. <laughs> i um, literally have like my mouth is like a desert right yeah. now <laughs> And I think I'm going to pass out. Am I drunk? I don't know because it's not You're fun. just like in between. I, I was like, I'm thought, floating between two worlds yeah, right now. <laughs> I thought being drunk was fun. <laughs> not today. Yeah, not today. I'm actually like curious about the lip thing because I always wonder like, I wonder if there's a particular like scientific reason why some people get like black lip and black tongue and other people don't. I think it's how hydrated your lips are. Because I generally don't. But mm. I know Lukey sometimes the next day will wake up and he's like still black. Does he not give them a wipe before he has No, to like if we brush, you know, I mean, I'm talking about when we've like tied one on. <laughs> okay, what? Well, sorry, what but does that you're mean? Just, like, tied wasted. one wasted. Like, okay, I'm just joking. Like, super that sounded drunk, a bit weird. <laughs> no, it's not that kind of tying up. <laughs> when we've tied one on, I was just like, okay. No, I mean, some like, details yeah. to share. Or like you just know, like when you're out with people, like towards the end of yeah. the night, like there's always. I'm prone to a black lip sometimes. I've noticed that at tastings, teeth and and my lips. I mean, the teeth is also because the enamel's just wearing away from wine tasting over the years anyway. I mean, also often in there like this. Yeah, but also with enamel, like each of us has different. Like I've never, you know, some people have this blue white enamel, and others have. It's not the one I have. I have the very European, not so white. (laughs) Mm. And then I drank shitloads of coffee for most of my life, and. Yeah. yeah, and it also depends of like if you haven't had them professionally cleaned, if you've yeah, got some sure. tartar on there, then it like anything will also stick your to P- that. I wonder about people's pHs also if this is something that like. I'm mm. curious. So if anyone knows why, I want to know. I'm curious about that. I notice if like if I'm if I'm dehydrated and I, my lips are drier or stressed, yeah, yeah, then I notice it. that like immediately they're red. So I mean, I'm often if I'm at a wine tasting or an event, I mean, I'm regularly going to the bathroom just yeah, getting a Get piece a of scrub. tissue spitting on it and just like rubbing the hell out of my lips so I don't look like a there was crazy like a, person there was a thing when I was bartending uh, Pepto-Bismol which I guess is much yeah. more popular in North America than it is it's like Gaviscon isn't it yeah it like just helps with acid reflux so a lot of bartenders love a bit of Pepto because we have hard nights but there was always this sort of there's something really funny if you drink Pepto-Bismol and then drink alcohol it turns your tongue black 
there's like a chemical reaction that happens. So you could always tell, like we had, you know, this was a big nightclub. So you could see like the regulars that were coming like every night and like really going hard. You see them the next day and you're like, pop their mouth. Like the whole inside is black. You're like, someone had a little Pepto dinner before coming over. A Pepto vino night. Yeah, like had a little Pepto and then came back to the bar, drink a couple of drinks and then your whole mouth goes black. So note to self, don't do that. I was once a tongue model and I had my tongue painted black. <laughs> You're a tongue model. And my lips, yeah. Because I've got a very long tongue. So do I. I can actually stick my tongue in my nose. Okay. I can't stick mine in my nose. Oh, my God. Oh my God. I mean, I have a low-hanging nose. It makes it easy. <laughs> That's what happens when it's the, the pros to a witchy, a witchy, a witchy snoot. Yeah. I'll show you the picture at the end. <laughs> it just makes me think of, like, the time where I, like... I threw a magazine on a gothic, it, uh, oh, really? gothic thing, so, so my whole face was... This half of my face Hilarious. was painted white, because you only see yeah, right. this just part of it, and then you see my tongue kind of... Hilarious. Yeah, black, and I have black lips painted on as well. So funny. Yeah, it looks kind of creepy. I love those kind of pictures. We yeah. found a really weird one of me while I was unpacking, of me holding, like, a whole pig's head. Very strange. That was for an expo years ago. So maybe we should post that on our stories. It's, I don't know. It's like at the point now where I have like too many vegan friends and clients. I was about like, to say, I don't, know what the, I don't know what the... <laughs> yeah. yeah, I mean, I haven't put it up. It's like been sitting in a folder for the last 15 years. But a really like amazing friend and fantastic photographer, Remy Thierot, took it. And someone bought the print that he was like massive. Like I would love to see where it's sitting because it's like... The original is like a massive print in a huge black lacquer frame. Mm-hmm. It's a statement. So I'd love to see yours. Maybe we do a side by side. Pig's heads and black tongues. Yeah, you're on. Yeah. No problem. So yeah. I don't know. Is there anything else we want to talk about Grenache, especially? I mean, I think it's like we've only scratched the surface here in yes. just these sort of like that it can be in blends, that it's quite delicious by itself. It makes a fabulous rosé. It yes. travels around. Yeah. And I think, yeah, be open to the fact that it may present itself in different ways. And if you're not necessarily into the very intense style, then I would say, you know, look for regions like Gredos um, and look for whole bunch Grenache. And yeah, equally, on the flip side, if you've tried the whole bunch, you don't like it and you want something more concentrated, appellations like Chateauneuf de Pape, Cote de Rhone, right. um, some of the other southern Rhone um, appellations would definitely be the way to go and the Roussillon which we don't have one today but there's no, a lot of very yeah. good value just like single varietal Grenache being grown in the Roussillon I hope we do, I think we'll do probably like a a Roussillon yeah or like that sort of yes. the lower the lower part regions because I think there's yeah. a lot of underrepresented wines in yeah. that region too that are some really special gems mm. yes so yeah so I guess by the time this episode airs it's warm weather and We've been out on the balcony. Yeah, so just do what I did and go into the heat and drink loads of Grenache. Get fucked up and then take a nap and do it all again tomorrow. Yeah. So, <laughs> <laughs> so with that said, um, you can find us on Twitter at juice underscore podcast. At uh, juice dot podcast on Instagram. And you can find us on our personal pages. I'm obviously Gwen Douglas with you. And I'm Vina Lupa. And that's it. Until next time. (laughs) Cheers. Boom.